So the doctor said to me, Michael, you'll never have the energy of a normal person. It's just going to be something that you're going to have to learn to live with. And in that moment, I just remember thinking, uh oh, this isn't good. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I share mindset, lifestyle, and business hacking tips, tools, and some painful lessons along my journey from growing my businesses and also working with some of the top entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professional athletes. So in this video, I want to talk about some of the sleeping tools and tips and the things that I've learned about creating good sleeping hygiene, things that I've tested, what's worked, what hasn't worked, and just some of the things that might help improve your sleeping as well, especially if you want greater energy. Now, this all started originally from probably being in my early 20s. And I remember being at a nightclub, I was drinking Red Bull and vodka because that used to be my drink at the time. And I would drink quite a few Red Bulls throughout the day to stay awake when I was a personal trainer because I would go out until late and party with my mates and then I would go back to work the next morning, I would normally start at, you know, five o'clock or six o'clock in the morning. And then I would work right through until nine o'clock at night and then go out for four, five, six hours with my mates. And this seemed to be a consistent pattern. I would catch up on sleep on normally Monday and Tuesday nights because that's when most of the clubs were shut. And so I had this really poor relationship with sleep because all I wanted to do was work and party. It was essentially make money so that I could blow my money running a mark. Not the best wealth advice that I could give, that's for sure. And definitely not the best health advice. But I was at a nightclub one night. I was drinking my Red Bull and vodka and I started getting some shivers. I thought, oh, my drink's been spiked. I hopped in the cab. I went home, got in the shower. I was freezing cold. I had it on as hot as I could get it. And then I woke up a couple of hours later and I'd fallen asleep in the shower. I was sitting on the ground because I was so cold and just sort of trying to keep myself warm. And so I'd fallen asleep in the shower or passed out or whatever it was. Maybe some of it could have been from the alcohol, but there was something else going on. So I jumped in, went to the doctor the next morning and said, look, what's going on? He took some blood tests and so on and sent them off for labs. But he told me in that moment, he said, Michael, it looks like you've got chronic fatigue and this is gonna be something that you're gonna to have to learn to live with. Now, because I thought doctors, they're the people who know things, I just accepted that I'd had chronic fatigue and I started thinking like, oh, this isn't good. But when he said to me, in that moment, he said to me, Michael, it's something that you're gonna to have to learn to live with for the rest of your life and you just won't have the energy of a normal person. I remember just thinking in my head, you. That was it. That was my thing. Like, this isn't going to be the way that it's going to be. There's part of me that as a kid, I hated being told what to do. And so I would normally rebel. And I'm glad that I had that because I didn't accept that this was the way that I was going to live for the rest of my life. And I didn't accept what the doctor had told me. When I got out of there, I thought, you know what, some things need to change and they need to change now. I've got to go and learn something from somebody. And I guess that's been my strategy, which has helped me a lot in my success in business, also in my personal training career, in my speaking career. Because if I don't know something, I go and find people who are smarter than I am and I learn from them and then correlate that information and test it on myself to figure out what works and what doesn't work. I think most people get stuck because when they get told something, they just accept it as gospel and they never really test it out or they don't get other opinions. I started reading just different books on holistic health and trying to figure out how I could improve my nutrition. My diet was all over the place because I used to live on almost like a bodybuilder's diet, but then I would binge eat a lot and overeat and have a lot of sugar. I was definitely drinking way too many energy drinks throughout the day. And then I would have Red Bull and vodka when I'd go out to try and stay awake at nighttime and I'd drink probably five or six coffees throughout the day. Not that I mind coffees because I still enjoy good coffee. There's my driven mofo mug. I started researching a lot of this stuff and something that came up, I read a book from Paul Check called How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy. Now, he created the Czech Institute in the US who I studied through for many years. I don't always agree with everything that he says, but there was some really good information in there. And I started keeping a food log. And what I noticed was that every time I ate things like pasta or 
bread or anything like that, I would start to bloat and I would start feeling really lethargic afterwards. So I just kept track of it. And every time I would eat these foods, I would write down and all I wrote was the time, the food that I consumed, and then how I felt within three hours after eating. So imagine writing, ate pasta, felt tired, lethargic, bloated, feel like shit, and then you know eating bread. So I would eat a sandwich or toasted sandwich or something like that. And I would write down, feel tired, bloated, and lethargic. So I thought, what if I remove wheat products. So I just removed wheat products, whether it was, I'm not sure if it's the gluten or if it's the wheat, but I just removed it. And all of a sudden I started feeling better. Then I kept track of it. And I remember drinking a lot of coffee, but I would have it with milk. And I remember feeling really foggy afterwards after having lots of dairy. So I thought, I wonder what happens if I just remove dairy. And I did that. And all of a sudden my brain fog cleared up. So what I started noticing were the foods that weren't working for me and the foods that did. I found eating more like higher protein, higher fat diet worked for me. And I still eat fat, high protein diet to this day. It's sort of semi-medical Mediterranean, but more protein, more fat. And I do eat carbohydrates. I'm not against them. I don't really subscribe to diets. I'm not into the whole like vegan, paleo, all of that stuff. Because once you label a diet, you can find yourself to that diet. Whereas I like to just be adaptable and let my body sort of figure out what it wants and what it needs and improve it over time. So I started doing that and my energy started improving. So I thought, wow, this is interesting. What else could I improve? I also noticed that I wasn't drinking enough water even though I was training and exercising and still consuming quite a bit, I started improving my water and also the water quality and making sure that I'm drinking proper filtered water. I add a little bit of Celtic sea salt or Celtic sea salt to my water as well because humans supposedly, if we think about it, have evolved to drink water out of rock pools or aquifers and there's normally some sort of mineral content in the water that we consume. I found when I would drink just filtered water, I would urinate a lot and that's a fear of a lot of people that I talk about when I say you need to consume more water. One of the things that Paul Check talks about is consuming around 33 million milliliters per kilogram of body weight. So if you do 0.033 times by your weight or your mass, it should tell you around the water that you need to consume daily. Now that might need to be increased if you're working in hot environments or if you're exercising. So these are some of the things that I improved and it definitely helped a lot. So I've taken out gluten from my diet. I've taken out dairy. I'm drinking more high quality water. But the big factor that I really struggled with was still my sleeping patterns and I couldn't figure out what it was. I would try all these different types of sleeping patterns. I'd try to go to bed at nine o'clock at night because I would hear all these things like the early bird gets the worm. It's better to wake up early, you get more stuff done. So I would try to push myself to get up early. But when I did, I found that I would do that for a couple of days, then I would feel exhausted, then my sleeping patterns would turn to shit again. And I would still go to bed at around about 11 o'clock every night. So this went on for years, like I'm talking 10 years, where I kept trying to figure out good quality sleeping patterns. I would sleep in some mornings because I guess I'm self-employed so I can get up a little bit later or whatever I need to. When I say later, I'm still talking like 7 a.m. But I would hear all these other entrepreneurs talking about getting up early and 5 a.m. starts or 4 a.m. And so I kept trying it and I would feel like shit, but then I would sleep in. I would sleep till like nine o'clock some mornings, which then would make me feel crappy as well. Eventually I got to a point, and this was only recent, probably about the last six months, where I just stepped back and instead of letting everyone else's, you should do this, you need to sleep like this, you need to get up early. I just took all of those thoughts out of my head. Now in some of the other podcasts, you may have heard me talk about something that Sigmund Freud, who I guess is a famous psychiatrist which developed psychoanalytics. Anyway, he talks a lot about this thing called a superego. And the superego is the implanted values from others which create the moralizing voices inside of our head where we start to self-judge and self-criticize. But it's normally not our voices, it's these other people's values and their injected values or implanted values onto us where they tell us what's right and wrong and good and bad. So we start self-judging and self-criticizing. I had these thoughts for years about what was right and what was wrong in my sleeping. So after doing a lot of study with Sigmund 
Freud because I was updating a lot of the content for our Thrive Time event, which is our 11 steps to a high performance lifestyle and high performance thinking. So I'm updating all this stuff, came across the super ego. Well, I'd known about it for years, but I was developing the concepts of it in the event because I think that it massively helps people when you can get rid of the voices out of your own head of everybody else telling you what you should and shouldn't do and how you should and shouldn't behave. And it creates all the internal criticisms, perfectionism, all that sort of stuff. But my sleeping patterns came up and I thought, shit, this isn't me dealing with my sleeping patterns or this isn't me criticizing my sleeping patterns. This is other people's implanted values and what they're telling me I should and shouldn't do. And I felt guilty for not getting up early, but then I felt guilty for going to bed too late. And so I would beat myself up and feel like shit because I didn't have these like ideal sleeping patterns. The idealisms weren't mine, they were someone else's, especially from a lot of the people that I'd studied. So I stepped back and objectively thought, I'm just gonna have a look at what times I seem to go to bed and what times I seem to wake up that work for me. And what I realized was over the years, the common time that I go to bed is around about 11 p.m. If I don't bullshit myself and I get out my own way and I look at it objectively, you can do this by your phone app or I wear sleep trackers as well. So I wear a whoop. I also sometimes wear a polar heart rate monitor as well. They keep all my tracking, my vital tracking, I guess you could say, or my sleeping patterns and whatever. Also that clarified that the average time that I go to bed is around about 11 o'clock. Now I've tried to go to bed earlier, but it's inconsistent and I try to go to bed. Sometimes I stay up later and that becomes inconsistent as well. And there was this similar time that I seem to wake up naturally without the alarm. And that was around 7 a.m. So I just thought, I'm gonna try this for a while. I'm just gonna set my alarm for 7 a.m. and I'm just gonna go to bed when I feel tired. And what I found was around about 6.30 a.m. to 7 a.m., I woke up naturally every morning. And if I didn't put pressure on myself to go to bed at a certain time, like I've tried going to bed earlier, I've tried changing my sleeping patterns, I tried being consistent and getting into bed at like 8.30, but I would still stay awake anyway until 11 o'clock, either reading or watching TV or with all these thoughts in my mind anyway. I just started doing what I thought worked for me and bang, all of a sudden my sleeping patterns just completely changed. And also my energy changed throughout the day because I woke up when it was natural to me. And what I also found is that I've known this for a long, long time, but I figured out some things with my sleeping patterns. So around about every 90 minutes, we go into a new sleep cycle. So we go through REM sleep, light sleep, deep sleep, and so on. So we have about 90 minute blocks where we go into those sleep cycles. Now, what I found was if I wake up halfway through a sleep cycle, I wake up and I'm more groggy and I'm tired and I'm lethargic. And I think that's why most people wake up tired because if your alarm wakes you up and you don't wake up naturally, you might be halfway through a sleep cycle and in deep sleep, your alarm goes off, scares the shit out of you. So you're coming straight out of deep sleep instead of waking up into a more light sleep and then waking up. These are some of the things that I think now you can go and do your own research and I would love to hear from other people down below in the comment section as well, what they've found works and what they have found hasn't worked. And if there's anyone who's studying any of this research out there, I would love to hear from you as well. So please drop comments below. But I just found that when I got rid of all the bullshit and the voices and everyone else telling me how I should sleep, that's my perfect sleeping pattern. Now I started explaining this to some of the other entrepreneurial type people over the last couple of years, some of my private coaching clients and so on. A lot of them said they can't wake up at the time they really want to wake up because they've got to get to work. They've got to open up the office. They've got to be there before staff. And I also noticed that there is this pattern of guilt that when business owners aren't the first ones into work and the last ones to leave and they're not pulling hundred hour work weeks, they've started to feel guilty or they feel guilty that their employees will start to take advantage of them or start to feel like they're just working for the man and this person's taking advantage of them because they're making all the money and not working harder than everyone else. And it's like this thing that they've got to prove themselves to their employees about how hard they work. And so I've also had to go through this thing as well. Really, you should be working in an optimized state. If you want to get the best out of yourself and get the best out of your business, you have to work in an optimized state. And if that means waking up later and getting to work later and having someone else open up the office, then you've got to set up the processes and the protocols to be able to do that, to trust someone else to do that and put in the checks and measures. So that becomes a process that you create, which is quite easy to do. And it might mean that you work back a little bit later, but maybe you work from 
from home as well. Really, employees don't know how much a business owner works. Now, a lot of people, even though they're sitting in the chair, aren't really working that effectively and aren't really producing a lot of work. Also, if you're one of those people who feel guilty if you're getting into work late or later, it really comes down to productivity. Everything is productivity. You can work eight hours and be non-productive, or you can work four hours and be three times as productive as a person who worked eight hours. It all comes down to productivity. And you've got to find what makes you the most productive. And sleeping is one of those things that really helps you to be productive. And so it's setting those things up, breaking the guilt patterns that you have, breaking the shame patterns that you have, breaking these ideas that if you're a business owner, you have to outwork everybody else, or at least look like you're outworking everybody else so that then employees don't go off and start their own businesses and all that stuff. Something that I do know is that if you're someone who has a business and you have employees and you feel like you've got to prove yourself, let the employees go anyway and let them go and start their own business because they will realize how much it is a pain in the ass to run your own business. And I've had plenty of employees over the years leave and they start their own business and they realize what an absolute it is to run a business that you can't just be good at one skill set. You have to learn marketing, branding, sales, and you've got to have an overview of everything, especially if you're starting from startup, or you've got to be really good at generating cash really, really quickly so that then you've got the money to be able to hire the right people to build that business. There are select skill sets that make a business operate over a long period of time. And very rarely will most people run a business successfully over a long period of time if they haven't developed a lot of high quality skill sets to be able to do so. So running a business isn't just about making more money because from an employee point of view, sometimes it looks like you make more money, but they don't also understand that there is probably plenty of times that you haven't made money or you've gone years without even taking a wage or that sometimes you've got to go without a lot of things in order to make the business work. Plus you've got to develop all these skill sets so there's a lot of work involved in it. And sometimes people have to go through that experience to realize that the fantasy that they had is actually a nightmare. And that's part of the game as well. So the point that I'm trying to make is that it is really, really important if you want to be as productive as you can in your business to make sure you have good sleeping patterns. You've got to break a lot of those patterns, whether it be guilt cycles or the implanted values of others who tell you how you should sleep what you should and shouldn't do, how you should eat. Also, I recommend keeping a food journal. Some of the other tips that I've tried as well. So here's some of the other things. I definitely recommend a sleep tracker. So if you've got something like a Whoop or a Garmin or a Polar Heart Rate Monitor or an Apple Watch or whatever, wearing that has helped me quite a lot to see when I am sleeping and getting good quality sleep. Some of the other things that I have heard as well, which I've tried, and I think they work reasonably well. Magnesium 3 and 8 works really, really well about 30 to 60 minutes before you go to bed. So normally they say about 300 to 600 milligrams. I think I think most of the time you normally buy it in about 100 to 200 milligram pills anyway. But please, as I mentioned, this isn't medical advice. These are just some of the things that I've learned. So please go and consult your doctor and your healthcare professionals before trying any of this stuff. So magnesium 3 and 8, I know from Dr. Andrew Huberman, you can check out his podcast as well. They're quite good. But in there, he talks about around about 300 to 400 milligrams. Also something called apigenin as well, which is a derivative of chamomile, helps you to sleep better as well. And it shuts down for brain thinking and the anticipation that you create in your own brain. He talks about taking around 50 milligrams, which is one little small tablet that they sort of come in. And then thiamine as well, which turns off GABA. These things that I'm talking about are natural derivatives as well, or are natural. So they're just vitamins or things like that. So this is what I'm talking about. I haven't really tried other things like melatonin. I'm a bit cautious about taking things that massively alter or largely can alter natural hormones or neurochemicals and stuff like that in our brain, even though vitamins and minerals and stuff like that can do that as well. So these are some of the things that you've got to check out with your healthcare professional. But as I mentioned, so you've got magnesium, magnesium 3 and 8, thiamine, and also apigenin. I would take those before I go to bed. It definitely helped with sleep for a while as well. The biggest thing though that I've found that helps with sleep, so I've mentioned food so far and looking at things that make me bloated or feel lethargic after I eat them. 
some of the biggest things that have helped massively is creating rhythms. So try to go to bed at the same time, try to wake up at the same time, find that natural sleeping rhythm that you have. Cautious of food, make sure you drink plenty of water. I don't have caffeine after around lunchtime. I try and have my final coffee at around one o'clock in the afternoon. Some people say that that's a bit too late. Some people say it's a bit too early, but I try not to have coffee too late because caffeine is a stimulant. It will stimulate you and the half-life of caffeine is six hours. So if you're having 100 milligrams of caffeine, you've still got 50 milligrams in your system six hours later. So if you're having one at 6 p.m. at midnight, you've still got half of the caffeine that you've consumed floating around your body. It takes a while to get caffeine fully out of your system, especially if you've got sleeping problems. I wouldn't have it after lunch. I might even cut it out. Or if you're someone who does really struggle with sleep, maybe have one in the morning and then just cut it out. My wife, Jess, can't have even tea. If she has tea, she's awake all night. And I'm talking about if she has a tea at nine o'clock in the morning, she's awake all night. So that's how much caffeine can stimulate someone if they're not used to it. So these are some of the things you need to be careful of. Now, this has been a big factor I've been playing around with for the last couple of months is journaling before you go to bed and getting everything out of your head onto paper. What I find is that most business owners love being absolutely chaotic and so do employees and so do the general population. They're chaotic because they keep all these thoughts in their mind. Now imagine if you had a pile of rubble and you've got to try and find the important bits in the rubble. You've got to spend ages digging around as you move one bit. You've got to try and put another bit back and by the way in this rubble you can't move anything off site so you've got to keep it there and try and restructure it in some way where you're finding what you need to but you can't move things out of the way. So you just keep reorganizing things in a chaotic way. This is how most people use their brains because they don't get what's going on in their head out on paper so that they can see it, interpret it, reorganize it, and then think about what they need to think about. So what I do is I grab a journal and I write down any thoughts and I write down those thoughts in just a chaotic way. So some nights I'll write things like, today I felt really stressed and frustrated because this person did this and it really pissed me off and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just writing it as though I'm self-talking it to myself in my own head. I write it all out. And then what I do is I try and find out or I ask a really good question, which is what is the actual problem that I'm dealing with? Once I can find the actual problem or I might ask a question like what am I trying to organize or what's the outcome of what I'm trying to achieve or what's been the trigger that set off everything because I'm asking a question to really clarify what's the part of all that gibberish that I need to go and hone in on then what I want to do is either find a way of organizing it in a way that I can think about it through the questions that I ask or prioritize something because sometimes I'll have like five or six things that I'm all trying to prioritize in my head and it just creates chaos because you sort of move a bit around and other bits go over the top and it's just absolutely carnage in my own head. So by writing it out, it clears out everything. I can reorganize it. I can restructure it. And if I need to deal with anything, I just deal with it. And then I keep moving forward. If you want to find out more about how I do a lot of the mental and emotional balancing stuff that I do, check out our Thrive Time event. But you want to try and keep your brain as empty as you possibly can. The majority of people that I speak to who come in for one-on-one -on -one consulting or who I coach or you know even come to our events, their brains are just absolutely chaotic and carnage. And they're trying to go to sleep at nighttime. Their brain's jumping around. They're thinking about all the things that they haven't done. They're thinking about what they need to do tomorrow. They're trying to organize stuff. It's essentially like a daycare center in their own mind of kids that have ADD and have just been fed sugar. Like there's all this shit running around out of control crazy and they're trying to sleep and organize it and they can't. So getting everything in your head out on paper has helped me massively with my sleeping patterns and then organizing stuff before I go to bed, planning it effectively so that when I wake up, I know exactly what I need to do the next day instead of just having it absolutely chaotic. Another thing that I haven't mentioned is alcohol. I definitely don't like having alcohol 
alcohol really at all in my diet. I used to drink quite heavily five to six nights a week. These days I don't touch it unless I feel like it. Every now and again, I'll have a glass of wine or something like that. But what I found is that when you have alcohol, it is a sedative. So it is helping your brain calm down. But the problem is it's also a stimulant with the sugar and the alcohol. So it's stimulating your body, but it's calming your mind down. So you're essentially using it as a mind sedative to calm your brain down. But at the same time, it's stimulating your body. It's putting sugar into the system. You're getting jacked up, but trying to calm yourself down. And so it really does affect sleeping patterns. And it doesn't take long to look at a sleep tracker to see that every time you drink alcohol, your sleep tracker will spike and you won't get into proper restorative deep sleep effectively. This is something that I found is very, very common. And if you go and look at the research, it seems to be there. So I just cut out all alcohol consumption and not that I'm even trying to, it's just that I'd rather not have it because it does affect my productivity. I've got big goals and big dreams and I'm trying to achieve those things. I don't want something that's silly that I can cut out that doesn't really add any benefit in my life apart from maybe connection because I connect every now and again through a glass of wine or I'll enjoy a glass with friends or family. But that's really the only time I drink. Whereas what I find is a lot of people using alcohol at nighttime, they get home from work and they have a glass of wine and they say it helps me relax, but they're using it because they don't have any other tools or strategies to be able to calm their mind effectively. And maybe they're jacking themselves up on other stuff like sugar or caffeine or whatever. And so they're using it as a sedative to calm themselves down. But at the same time, it's not allowing them to sleep. So they're half out before they wake up the next morning, they're tired, and it just repeats this vicious cycle of non-productivity, not thinking effectively. That's something else to think about as well. If you really do struggle with your sleep, I'd also recommend maybe cutting sugar in the afternoon and not having too many refined sugars, because again, it'll jack you up a little bit as well. Anyway, I hope this helps, and I hope you're enjoying the podcast. As I mentioned before, I do this because I know that most people waste their lives, and I just don't want you to be one of them. If you haven't already hit that subscribe button, please do so. If you're on any of the podcasting platforms as well, please give us a review. I would love to read the reviews and see what you think of these podcasts. And if they're helping, please also share it with your friends and family because the more people I can get on here, the more people we can help. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to coming back to you with the next one. I'm Michael Mojo. Keep living with Mojo, Driven Mofos. (laughs) 